All right, good morning. Welcome to Hope and Anchor Church. It's great to see you here today. I am excited to uh, open God's Word because I find that when we open God's Word, uh, something inside of us has opportunity to open as well. We trust that, uh, that the God's Holy Spirit is at work in this very place. That if we are attentive and we are receptive and we are willing to be participating with what God is up to in our midst and desiring to do in our, in our lives, in our families, in our community, uh, we can see Him do some amazing things. And it starts with the simple act of opening the Word and being present, attending to what God might say to us. How exciting is that? Well, today we are continuing it. Well, first, two things. Uh, you notice this, this section is kind of empty over here. That's because the good ones are heading out on their three-month uh, eastern United States vacation. So uh, if you have their phone number, you can send them a text. I wish to them bon voyage, which is French for good voyage. Um, I'm a polyglot like that. Um, anyway, they're gone. But guess who's back? Maddie and Nathan are back from six weeks in Italy serving on the mission field and uh, touring the, the very warm climes of uh, Italy. And uh, I'm thankful for you guys to be back and uh, excited to hear more about that in the days and weeks to come. If you have uh, questions about how it was in Italy, I'm sure they'd be glad to tell you all about it so, and tell you how great air conditioning is back in the United States. So today we're continuing in our imprint 2022 teaching series, which has been our learning adventure through the classical Christian spiritual disciplines. And uh, we are currently in the outward expressions, the outward disciplines, those that we practice, we decide to do, you know, internally, but then they flow out and affect how we interact with those around us. And this is the week that everyone has been chomping at the bit to get to. You don't know how many times I've heard, when are we going to talk about submission? Anyone want to guess how many times I've heard that? None, actually. I've heard that no times. But I imagine that all of you are sharpening your pencils and like warming up your pens and like ready to take notes because you want to know how have Christians committed themselves to following Jesus and uh, expressing that through the spiritual discipline of submission. Submission and service. This week and next we're going to focus on the spiritual disciplines of submission and service. So, I've been with you long enough to know that many of you enjoy my lighthearted, um, inspiring sermons, which I, I labor to bring to you every week. However, this one may not be one of those lighthearted <laughs> sermons. This, is a, this one might not be particularly pleasant or uh, popular. Why is that? Well, because this is not a particularly easy lesson to share. It's not an easy lesson to hear or to go on and embrace. This topic, submission and service in the life with Christ, is confronting. It's hard, and it's perhaps a little bit convicting. This, like several other weeks in our series, they're going to kind of poke us in the chest a little bit. Like, oh, I see some dissonance here between what Christ is calling me to, uh, what the life following after him is, ought to be like, and what my life actually is like. Something's not right here. There's dissonance. This topic, it was not popular when Jesus preached it. Therefore, I don't think it will, will be very popular today when I preach it. You know, if Jesus is the uh, example. If he preached this, he taught this, and people were like, 
yeah. I might have left the oven on at home, Jesus. I got to go. You know, I mean, people just like, oh, I think uh, that's a little much. But thanks. It's not you, it's me. Thanks. Um, it's, it's, it's talk just like this from Jesus, these hard sayings that Jesus often unfurled at the height of his ministry. When he got the most people around, he would drop these like truth bombs that people were like, oh, pew, no way. No way. He, these hard sayings, these are the things that provoked many of his listeners to turn away and to quit following, which all those church growth people out there are kind of like, Jesus, <laughs> demerit, why would you do that? Why would you do that? You kind of uh, cut your attendance you know, in half by saying that. Ergo, don't say that, Jesus. No, he did, and people quit following. They turned away. Because he was saying things like, uh, presenting ideas of losing your life in order to find it. These things were never widely accepted. The ethic of putting others' well-being before your own, it has never been celebrated among us human beings. Why not? Why is it difficult to truly live out the ethic that Jesus puts before us, say, hey, put others' well-being before your own? Why is that hard for us? Huh? Well, we're selfish, right? What's that? We're elvish. We're elvish? Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> we're, we're by default thinking about self-preservation and self-advancement, self-promotion. It's hard enough to put someone you deeply or dearly love ahead of yourself sometimes, but how much harder is it to put the coworker that really annoys you or someone that's hostile toward you? How difficult is it for you to say, hey, I want what's best for them, even if that means I have to yield, I have to step back. That's hard for us. That might be one of the hardest things we're called to do in our daily life is to put the well-being of others ahead of our own. Of all the spiritual disciplines we've explored together uh, thus far, submission and service might just be the hardest and the least attractive of all. They, why? Because they starkly lack the curb appeal of things like simplicity or prayer, scripture study, meditation, uh, scripture meditation. Those things sound good and they're fun to talk about, but submission and service, not so much. They starkly lack curb appeal. They lack the intrigue and the mystique of the other spiritual disciplines. Those things seem to be missing when we arrive at submission and service. But here's the thing. When, we, when properly embraced, the spiritual disciplines of submission and service can be incredibly freeing, incredibly freeing, powerful, and transformative, they can liberate us to enjoy a life of meaning and fulfillment uh, more deeply than ever before. This week we will focus on submission, and next week we'll turn our attention more directly towards service. But for today, let's talk about submission. Submission is the critical link between believing in Jesus and actually following after him. Miss this, and we miss everything. Okay, I'm going to read this again because this is our big idea for today. Submission is the critical link between believing in Jesus and actually following after him. Miss this, and we miss everything. Now, submission. Submission is a spiritual discipline not because we must do it, 
Submission is not a spiritual discipline because we must submit. It's a spiritual discipline because we can submit. It is a discipline because we have a choice. Every day you have a choice how you will regard, how you will uh, uh, interact, and how you will seek to bless the people around us. It's a discipline because we have a choice. We may do otherwise, yet we choose to surrender our rights. We choose to surrender our need to have things our own way. Do you understand the difference? It wouldn't be a spiritual discipline if you were just required to do it. You mandated that you must do this. We can do this. We ought to do this. As free moral agents, we are beings who can choose. We inherently have the ability to decide. We have the ability to prefer one thing over another. We choose in every moment to pursue certain outcomes and avoid others. Even right now you're choosing certain things and avoiding other things, right? We, we are inherently choosing creatures. However, as fallen, sinful beings, we daily bend our freedom away from God. Our ability to choose is bent away from our Creator toward ourselves as we seek gratification, as we pursue the satisfaction of the flesh, and we pursue our self-centered, distorted, greedy, and convenient ideas and outcomes. Have you seen this in yourself? I mean, oftentimes we pick up on this in others, but it's in us too. It's our default setting. Because of the fall, there's a bentness in us that guides us away. It's like the, the steering of our life has an alignment issue, and it's always leading us toward the ditch of self, self, self. So, to choose to follow after Jesus, to genuinely follow after Jesus, to practice submission, it is a powerful act of self-denial and a great exercise of faith and freedom. Okay, I'll say that again. To choose to follow Jesus, to practice submission, is a powerful act of self-denial and a great exercise of faith and freedom. So, first things first. What submission is not? Okay, let's make this clear first. What are we not talking about here? Submission, as with all the spiritual disciplines, submission is not the point. Submission is not the point. Submission is not an end in itself. As Richard Foster points out, the purpose of the disciplines is freedom. The purpose of all the disciplines is freedom. Our aim is the freedom that comes from it, not the discipline itself. Does that make sense? We're doing these things for this greater end, which is freedom. Our aim is the freedom, not the discipline. The moment we make the, moment we make the discipline our focus, we turn it into a law and we lose the freedom. Submission, it is not, it is not self-contempt. It is not self-contempt. It is not self-pity. It is not a spirit of martyrdom. Like, well, Jesus has called me to be a doormat. No, I'm just, woe is me, woe is me. It's not that. As Richard Foster goes on to make clear, self-contempt claims we have no worth. And that's clearly not biblical. And self-contempt denies the goodness of creation. God calls creation, of which you are a part, a good thing. You're not trash. You're not walked on because you're worthless. 
And then self-pity. Self-pity, a spirit of self-pity demands that things go our own way or else we revert to a poor me mentality, a victim mentality, uh, a martyr complex. We fall into victimhood thinking that ultimately stunts our growth and isolates us from others and from God. We have to be careful of this. So we have to be careful of this self-contempt, self-pity, and the spirit of martyrdom. So that's what submission is not. Well, let's turn the corner then. What is submission? Well, this is what submission is. Let's be clear. Here, Richard Foster again helps us. He says, submission is simply a way of coming to understand that we do not have to have our own way. Our happiness is not dependent upon getting what we want. It is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. I love that sentence. Submission is um, the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. Guys, we can be a terrible taskmaster in our own life, can't we? We can be a little tyrant. Our demands, our comfort, our preferences, man, they can start to run the show. So, submission is a way to practice laying down that terrible burden of always needing to get your own way. In submission, we exercise the great freedom we have in Christ to give up our self-interest and our rights for the good of others. In practicing submission, we discover the cross-shaped life of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was dying, living sacrificially far way before he actually ended up on the cross. He was living the life of sacrifice, of, of, of sacrifice, of service and submission all the time. That reached its high point on the cross, but of course he's living the cross-shaped life all the way along. Foster says, Christ not only died a cross death, he lived a cross life. He lived, he, Christ not only died a cross death, he lived a cross life. The way of the cross, the way of the suffering servant, was essential to Jesus' life and ministry, and thus is likewise the way of Christ's followers. Okay? If we're going to follow after Jesus, if we're going to say it, and if we're going to live according to it, following after Jesus, be prepared to also live a cross-shaped life. The cruciform life of Christ, his self-denial, his voluntary servanthood, is the posture most fitting for all those who will follow after our crucified Lord. Does that make sense? That we have to examine our life and say, hey, how much does my life, my way of living, resemble the way of Jesus' life? Not just his death, but his life. Am I living uh, in self-denial and voluntary servanthood to others, serving them? The life in Christ is always centered around the call to die. That's the thing about Jesus. So we talk about a high invitation, yet a high challenge at the same time. Jesus is over and over again saying, hey, all may come. Everyone's welcome, especially you who are convinced that God wants nothing to do with you. Come close. All may come, but all must die. All may come, but all who come must take up their cross. All must be prepared to die for my sake, to die for my cause. So this is the challenge. The life in Christ is always centered around the call to die, to take up one's cross and follow Jesus, to become a servant to all, putting the good of others before our own self-interests. Jesus identifies dying these little deaths. 
Have you had to die little deaths before? Self-denial, daily, choosing the path that leads to true life in Christ is punctuated with these little deaths. Deciding against yourself. Choosing to let others go first when you would rather go first. To step out of the way. To give up. To do without. So someone else might do with. These little deaths. You'll know it's a little death by how it feels. You're not high-stepping like spiking the football. <laughs> I get to die a little death. No, it's hard. It runs right up against your flesh. Right up against your sin nature. It's like, ugh. Hmm. I'm choosing, for Christ's sake, to die a little death here. So Jesus identified dying the little deaths of self-denial daily as the path that leads to true life. Now, just like last week, I've, I've recruited some scripture readers today, just so you don't have to hear me yammering all morning. So um, let's listen to some of the teachings we find in scripture that point us toward this life of submission. This ethic of following after Jesus, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39. Who has that one? All right, Wes, nice and loud. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. For if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. I mean, can you hear the collective gulp from the audience? Like, what? I mean, that verse even today is like, what does that even mean? How do we do that? Right? Difficult. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. Then, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Yeah. Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Okay, good. Mark 9, 33 through 35. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was greater. <laughs> He sat down, Awkward. called disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be such an awkward scene. Like, hey guys, what were you talking about on the road? Uh. <laughs> we were talking about which one of us was the greatest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> All right, uh, John 13, 12 through 17. You know how radical that scene was for Jesus, who was regarded by many as a rabbi, but by his close disciples, the twelve, as Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, to disrobe, put on a talent, and do the lowest of low duties in the house, to wash their feet. That was like the, the task of the least 
uh, important servant on the servants list, like washing feet. And he's like, hey, as I've done, you do also. Okay, uh, what was that? That was John 13, right, Heather? Okay. Uh, uh, John 13, 13, 12 through 17. Uh, lastly, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So very early on, this is Paul writing here, the early church leaders, they, they, they had this downloaded into them, the ethos of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. This is the significance of what he, how he lived, how he died what he demonstrated for us, and then how we ought to live as well. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, this ought to mark our lives as well, this attitude, this willingness, okay? So, understanding how Scripture speaks throughout about the, the life of submission, that the life following Jesus is a life of, of living a cross-shaped life, what are the critical acts of submission then? The critical acts of submission in the Christian life. Well, there's three I'd like to point out today. The first act of submission is to God and His Word. Okay, let's start there. The first act of submission is to God and His Word. We fully surrender to God our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength. We lay them in His hands for His glory, His use, and His purposes over and against our own. Let's start there. God, I offer my whole life up to you. Use it as you will. In order to submit to Jesus, we must obey the Bible's teachings. We believe that the, the, how we know the will of God expressed in Christ is through the Scriptures. So we have to commit to knowing the Bible's teachings. We have to study them. We have to meditate upon them. This takes us right back to the beginning of our series, Scripture study and Scripture meditation. This becomes the, the foundation of our spiritual disciplines. How do we know God? How do we follow Jesus faithfully? Well, we look intently into the Word. That's where we find it. That's where we know. We yield ourselves to the Word of God. We embrace the Word of God, and we obey the Word of God. We order our lives around the whole council of Scripture, even the parts we don't like, okay? We, we kind of live in a time where, where we kind of cherry pick and we kind of uh, selectively uh, choose which parts fit, which parts we approve of, and we just ignore the rest. Well, we must commit to ordering our lives around the whole counsel of Scripture. Even the parts we don't like, the parts that don't fit our current social climate. We have to hold fast, believing that the wisdom that stood beside God when He created the universe is the wisdom according to which we ought to live. Now and in all times, we live according to God's revealed will and His purpose for us and for the entire universe. So the first act of submission, the first critical act of submission is uh, to God and His Word. Now the second act of submission... The second critical act of submission is to our family, our friends, and our fellowship. This has alliteration, so you know it's true. Family, friends, fellowship. Boom. 
Freely and graciously, we choose to be patient with each other. We make allowance for other people's weaknesses. Wait, they've got weaknesses? Yes. They're going to confront us. They're going to annoy us. And we have to choose to make allowance for other people's weaknesses, like, just like Jesus has done for us. I mean, when you have a sense, when you keep front and center a sense of how much God has had to kind of push through in your life <laughs> to get to the real you, the you, I love you, even though you do these things that annoy me, even though you do these things that uh, are ought not be, He loves us anyway. He sees through it. He pushes through it. He makes allowance for our weaknesses. So we should do the same. The primary act of submission is a commitment to share in, the self, in self-giving love. Okay, that, let me read that again. The primary act of submission is a commitment to share in self-giving love, offering yourself in love to others, especially those who are unlovely. Okay, have you found this to be the case? We are called to love people, and it's hard to love those who are unlovely, but it is perhaps those we are called most to love well. Okay, so pay attention to those people in your life and seek those ways where you can love them as Christ loved us. We share our gifts. We share our resources for the good of others. We share with our family. We share with our friends. And we share with our local Christian community. We live open-handedly with each other even when it costs us. We seek out and we discover and we act upon the ways we are uniquely called and equipped to serve and to give sacrificially. Seek it out. There's ways that you can bless. There's ways that you can serve. We live a life of simple and consistent goodness among the people God has placed in our lives. Sometimes we get a little more motivated to think about the kids in Africa or uh, a certain population that we ought to be caring for well. And and true, we should. But we're overlooking the actual people that are in our lives. Have you ever found yourself doing this? We kind of idealize serving Jesus over there or to those people. And we don't really consider the people that are right next to us, the people that we're rubbing shoulders with every single day. How do we uh, live a life of simple and consistent goodness among the people that are right there, that God has placed in our life day in and day out? As Dallas Willard says, we practice routinely purposeful kindnesses and intelligent acts of beauty. I love that saying. Uh, it takes that, that, that popular saying, you know, random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty. No, he's like, no. As people following Jesus, we go into the world to practice routinely purposeful kindnesses and intelligent acts of beauty. We do these things on purpose, not randomly. We do them with meaning and intention. We go out into the world to practice routinely purposeful kindnesses and intelligent acts of beauty. So the first critical act of submission is to God and His Word. The second critical act of submission is to our friends, family, and fellowship. The third critical act of submission is to the least of these. To the least of these locally and globally. As followers of Jesus, we voluntarily seek out opportunities to be among to serve and defend the helpless, the oppressed, the marginalized, and the overlooked in our community and in our world. We seek to discover ways to identify with the downtrodden, the rejected, and the poor. Realizing that we live in an interconnected, interdependent global community, we do not and we cannot exist fruitfully in isolation. 
We have to be aware of how our life is, in, is intrinsically connected to so many other people, both near and far. Living as a responsible, compassionate person in an increasingly irresponsible and uncompassionate world is revolutionary. Do you believe me? Choosing today to live as a responsible, compassionate person in an increasingly irresponsible and uncompassionate world is revolutionary. Simply choosing to do without so that someone else can do with is an act of rebellion. It's an act of resistance. Standing against the tide of our culture saying, I will do without so that someone else can do with. I will be a have-not on purpose so that someone else can be a have for once. <laughs> you know, That's an act of rebellion. That's a tangible expression of Christ, the kind of self-giving love that Christ has shown to us. So, those are the three critical acts I wanted to point out today. Now, the heart of submission. I want to skip back to Scripture before we finish up here. If we look to Scripture and we look to some of the heavy hitters, I mean, this sounds like a, a, an English rock band, but John, Paul, and Peter, <laughs> it's not, but it sounds like it. Anyway, they all speak to this, understanding that the way of following Jesus, the way of living rightly with God, leads us into uh, purposeful self-diminishment in the light of Christ. Self-diminishing in the, in, the, in the light of Christ, glorifying God, we choose to live with a heart of submission. Uh, John the Baptist speaks of it. Uh, John 3, 22 through 30. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing in Anon near Selene because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew who was ceremonial, over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John the Baptist, in the light of Christ's uh, arrival, says he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. I will yield. I'll step aside so that more and more of the glory and the light will shine on him. It's not my role to be center stage. It's my role to stand and applaud Jesus. I love it. He becomes greater. I become less. Okay, Colossians 3, 18 through 24. This is Paul's uh, take on this. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, Paul's basically addressing every station in life, even slaves. He's like, hey, yield. 
serve well. Seek to glorify God even in this. And in our ears, it's like, what? No. We should be telling slaves to rise up. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, but here he's saying, oh, no. In that world in which Paul's writing, the people to whom he's writing, they couldn't turn the world upside down from the top down. They could work from the bottom up, though, and start to live differently, bear witness to a different reality, a different truth in the world. And that truth was like, I will seek to honor God in every relationship, every situation I'm in. Wives, husbands, fathers, children, slaves, whatever. You can honor Christ by how you choose to live and how you choose to submit. So Peter also speaks to this in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. So Jesus chose to walk a path that led to suffering. And if we're following after Him, we too will find suffering sometimes. But we have a choice to make. Will we follow Jesus even when it's difficult, even when it presents challenge and pain sometimes? An unwillingness to practice the spiritual discipline of submission, it stifles our spiritual growth, it interrupts transformation, and it obstructs God's mission in the world. Okay, those are three big things that if we are unwilling to submit, if we are unwilling to lay our whole lives before the Lord and say, teach me the discipline of submission, it stifles our spiritual growth, it interrupts the transformation the Holy Spirit is affecting, desiring to affect in us, and it obstructs God's mission in the world. Why is this a problem? Is this a problem right now? Well, the way I see it, the American church is bloated. The American church is bloated with people who claim belief in Jesus but refuse to take up their cross and follow Jesus. Is that hard to hear? I mean, every church in the American landscape seems to be populated largely with people who say they believe in Jesus, but on a daily basis, a lived out, in their lived out reality, they're really not following Him. They've never felt the wood of the cross. They've never actually lifted a cross to their shoulders and said, alright, Jesus, where are we going today? The American church is bloated with people who say they believe in Jesus, but refuse to take up their cross and follow Him. Why? Because it's hard. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's countercultural. It feels like you're swimming upstream. Why would God, who says He loves me, want me to do something I don't like? How dare He, right? But this is why the church, I think, is largely populated with people who know about Jesus, but they've never taken a step following Him. They've never really followed Him. It's not an accident that the biggest part of submission is mission. The biggest part of the word submission is mission. Submission is the fire in the belly of our sentness, our engagement with the gospel. It is the fire in the belly of our missional calling as God's people in the world. Submission is the critical link between believing in Jesus and actually following after Him. So you see what I mean? Miss this and you miss everything. Believing in Jesus doesn't make the difference. It's following after Him. Living for Him. Living how He lived. 
Submission is the critical link between believing in Jesus and actually following after Him. Miss this and we miss everything. So, today as we close, we each in our own way have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. Will we just say we believe in Jesus or will we actually put feet to our faith and follow after Him today? You will find ways today, this week, to choose to follow Jesus, to decide against yourself, to feel that rough wood of the cross as you take on the cruciform life and follow Jesus. Will you choose to follow Jesus? Will you take up your cross? Will you heed the call to die to self in all of your practical intervention or interactions uh, this week? Lay it all before the Lord and say, God, help me see these opportunities. And then help me choose Jesus in those. Choose to be like Jesus in all of those encounters, all those situations. Will you enter the way of Jesus? Will you begin living a cross-shaped life? And will you discover then the deeper faith and freedom that He is offering to you? Who knew that the abundant life lives on the other side of a cross-shaped life? Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to practice submission and self-denial in order to find the true life that we are promised? Decide now. Maybe make some notes. But how will you prioritize submitting to God's Word this week? How are you rooting your day, centering your mind and your heart in God's Word each day? We have to start there as we go out into the world. We must know God through His revealed Word before we go out into the world and try to live it out. We have to know what we're doing, whom we are following. What's the one thing you'll do this week to practice submission? Maybe there's someone that comes to mind that's like, that big jerk, I should probably be kind. <laughs> Maybe I will not take the low road. I'll choose the high road of Christ-likeness here. Who is it? I mean, if we had the time and just like the truth serum, people could share about who it is they're working with or who, is they're gonna, who it is they're going to run into this week that they find it really hard. But who is it this week? What's one thing you will do this week to practice submission, to show the love of Jesus by yielding and by serving someone in your life? May we desire to glorify God and bless others more than we desire our own comfort and convenience. May we grow to see Jesus increase as we decrease in the world. Maybe that's our prayer. Maybe that's the prayer you return to, especially when it's difficult. I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease so that He may increase. Decrease. Increase. Okay? And may, may we understand our sentness in Jesus as we go out into our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities, as we go out embracing our calling to practice routinely purposeful kindnesses and intelligent acts of beauty. And then imagine what could change. Get excited about what might change in you, in your relationships, in your community. Imagine what could change through your strategic, Holy Spirit-empowered submission to others. What freedom and what new life might be discovered when you follow after Jesus, when you submit, when you take up your cross and you follow Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the example of Jesus, that it's so well preserved for us, that it's been so well lived out and communicated to us uh, through the apostles and through the, 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 the mentors, the people who have guided us in the development of our own faith. Thank You that Your Holy Spirit is with us 
to give us the uh, ability to make possible that which is really feels so impossible in our own strength. God, may we become a people who are marked by the cross-shaped life. That as we go out into the world, that we are known as people who have, have steel in our spines when it comes to fidelity to Christ Jesus. But we have open hands. We're willing to yield. We're willing to submit so that you'd be glorified. God, I pray that you'd work this truth, the words of John the Baptist, into each of our hearts today, that you must increase and we must decrease. That Jesus must increase. He's the most important part, and we're not. God, I pray that you'd bring to mind the people around us, maybe those with the roughest edges that really rub us the wrong way, that really are difficult and, and uh, uncomfortable to be around. I pray that you would... Uh, Bring them to mind and give us opportunity to uh, faithfully submit for your glory and for their good this week. God, I look forward to hearing stories from our fellowship here that they've seen you at work. They've, they've tasted the sweetness of that freedom that Christ offers us, that abundant life that lies on the other side of submission. Lord, do a work in this place. I know this is a tough, tough lesson. It was a tough lesson when Jesus uh, talked about it, and it's going to be a difficult lesson anytime we hear it now. But God, may we see our, our uh, preferences, our desires for comfort, and how they are oftentimes standing in the way of us actually picking up our cross to follow Jesus. I pray that we would uh, see those clearly and that we'd be able to offer those even to you and see them transformed. Lord, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to worship a bit more, um, but I think this is an important opportunity for you to sit and you to, to, to turn your attention to the Lord and say, God, I, I, here's an assessment of my life. What do you see? Here's what I've seen, but what do you see? What ought to change? How might you be at work in my life today? I'm going to ask something. Um, if we could just wait like a minute before we start singing, a minute or two. And you guys, this may be the only chance you've had this week to do nothing else but sit with the Lord. Sit with the Lord. Turn your attention. Say, speak, Lord. I'm listening as best I can. May the Holy Spirit give me ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand what I need to hear from you. Because this week is full of opportunity, full of challenge. But I want to live well. I want to submit rightly. And I want to discover a new degree of freedom and of new life because of it. Help me follow Jesus this week. So make the most of this opportunity as we pray.